Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Um, I have one of my listeners on today, uh, Jim Bell. He's uh, over in the Netherlands, and uh, he's had, you know, professionally some interaction with, uh, you know, the COVID situation. So I wanted to talk to him and see what uh, he sees at the ground level. So, Jim, thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem. Nice to be here. Yeah. Well, tell me, what what do you do for work and uh, what have you observed? We'll, We'll get into it slowly. Uh, well, I'm a, a lung function analyst. That's the literal translation. I think in America, it's a pulmonary function technician. But we do tests uh, with people to evaluate their, uh, the state of their, their lungs. Uh, so we, we check the, the volume of their lungs, their diffusion uh, capacity, so how well they can uh, take up the oxygen. We also look at uh, the flow, the airflow, if it's uh, obstructed or not. Those three things are, uh, yeah, well, the most important uh, parameters we uh, we look at. So, yeah. what have you? What did you start observing since last year? You know, when did you first start seeing what were called COVID patients? Well, with COVID, because it's uh, it's an acute injury, there weren't any patients coming in. At my department, they actually were directly taken to the ICU. Or so uh, uh, we see a lot of uh, people with uh, with chronic uh, lung injuries. But uh, after a while, of course, the people who who made it, they were discharged from the ICU, and uh, then they they came to us. Like a study was started where we would uh, look at how their lung function would uh, return, would, uh, yeah, how, how the healing went and how we would see that in the, in the different uh, parameters. So that's what, what I focus on. Well, so what have you noticed? Is, is COVID um, different from flu? What have you noticed about it in particular? It has more similarities than differences. So, uh, of course, we had SARS, MERS, I believe SARS was in 2003 and MERS in 2012 or something. And uh, learned a lot about uh, those types of coronaviruses. And uh, I also looked back in the literature to see if, if I uh, could find uh, similarities and uh, you know, to know what to, what to expect in these patients. And um, it's very uh, similar because uh, also in SARS, People progressed to pulmonary fibrosis, uh, some of them, and uh, they also had, uh, most of them had diffusion uh, deficiencies, so, and also sometimes obstructions, but you call it a restrictive lung disease, so yeah, you see uh, a decrease in volume, and uh, yeah, so that's that's very similar uh, to what I see now in the the people who recovered from from COVID. I think uh, well, the group that we we study, they uh, all of them had have been to the ICU, and 
And yeah, we see, I think in about 30%, we see uh, that the diffusion capacity is decreased. And also the FEV1, that's the measure uh, for how much air they can uh, exhale in, in one second. And uh, yeah, that's, and then we measure that uh, like after six weeks after discharge, and then again, 12 weeks after discharge, and then 18 weeks. Uh, and uh, a lot of them uh, recover really well. So the know from SARS that in the, the first year uh, after the disease, the, the recovery uh, is substantial. So the, the, the majority of the recovery happens in the first year and the diffusion capacity uh, will improve uh, even after that. So even though uh, a lot of patients uh, have damage to the lungs uh, that is permanent, uh, like uh, scarring tissue, uh, what we call fibrosis, most of them, they recover all of their diffusion capacity after about one year. So, yeah, that's actually very, very positive. Yeah, no surprises there. So do you see that the, uh, the, the COVID has changed over the past year? Is it, you know, is it affecting people as badly? Can you tell? I mean, what's changed about it over a year? Well, what I see more in my, uh, in my surroundings is that because I, I don't work on the ICU, uh, of course, there are still uh, COVID patients, but we know a lot more about the treatment, so we can uh, treat them better. So, in the uh, like in March and April, where you had uh, the big spike, then in, at, at our ICU, uh, yeah, we also had uh, a lot of problems, a lot of like uh, uh, pulmonary thromboembolisms and people going into uh, cardiac arrest, and uh, that was very, very common. And after that, we knew more about it. And so we knew that, uh, that in COVID, there are a lot of uh, coagulopathy uh, uh, issues. And that's the, the important difference between the, the COVID pathology and, for, for example, a normal pneumonia is uh, uh, that the coagulopathy, so the, the blood starts to, to clog the, the small uh, airways. And that seems to happen more uh, in, in COVID and uh, is a little different than other pathologies. Yeah, but the, so the most important thing that I saw is that the treatment got uh, better and the survival rate got, got better. And uh, yeah. So what do you think is going to be the path forward with, uh, with COVID? Do you think it's just going to settle in? And, you know, do you, do you feel like the hospital you're at is learning how to treat people better? Or are they still wrestling with it? Like, what's happening? Well, I, th- I think that the, the reaction of the Dutch government, because we have to look at how the situation is now. Uh, I mean, COVID is, is here, here to stay. And, uh, but if we look at the numbers, it's not much worse. Uh, if we look at the, the death rate, the infection fatality rate, it's, uh, it's not much different than, uh, uh, than the normal uh, flu. And we know that now. In, in the beginning, in March of April, we didn't know so much about it. 
but what I see is that uh, we know more about the disease. Less people are, uh, are dying from it, but the measures uh, also in the hospital and in society around me is getting uh, stricter and uh, more, more, more severe. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, those two don't, don't match. So, yeah, that's, that's the biggest issue uh, I have uh, with the situation right now. Yeah. So what, um, I don't know, is the hospital, uh, again, are they just settling in? Are they changing their protocols? Like, what is their outlook on it? Do they talk to you guys about it when you're there? Or is it just you show up for work and, you know, one day things are different and the next day things are different? Like, what's the communication been like with the hospital and the workers? Their, their treatment now is uh, is remdesivir and uh, dexamethasone. I think they are not changing their treatment. Uh, they haven't cha- changed their uh, treatment that much in the the last uh, couple of months. But yeah, we the the patients we see, of course, the the changes that were made were the wearing of masks and uh, the uh, cleaning of all the equip- equipment. And in the beginning, uh, they told us that, uh, uh, you know, well, we're not going to uh, stop this virus because that's not uh, not possible. But uh, uh, we are going to try to slow it down. And uh, But after a while, uh, it became more like, well, we... We really don't want any more uh, infections, so uh, very strict uh, distancing rules. And like I said, uh, uh, the masks and the masks are also uh, mandatory in the in all public uh, areas. So uh, yeah, I see I see those measures uh, increasing, and they they are not really talking to to us that much. We have uh, updates uh, sometimes, uh, like uh, press conferences uh, uh, from uh, from doctors. But yeah, actually, the details are a little scarce. I have, oh, I also have to follow it more via the the news and and to, to see if the infection rate is is dropping. But uh, yeah, actually, yeah, there's not so, so much uh, information we. we we get so yeah we just uh, continue on the on the on the same path but, but like i said the the measures aren't decreasing uh, and then i'm also talking about the measures outside of the hospital uh, because we are also uh, we right now in the netherlands we have a, a curfew so you have to uh, be in your house uh, at 9 and you you can't uh, uh, go out so uh, yeah, I really, I'm more concerned about the, the total picture. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Do you think the restrictions are warranted or are they overkill by this point? Yeah, I think uh, really overkill because we have uh, 
a year, a year of data and we can see what the lockdowns did we can see what uh, masks uh, did and we can uh, see the the infection rate and uh, yeah so so then uh, the government uh, implementing the the curfew yeah that was a big over overreach and uh, yeah so uh, yeah i think so do you think yeah. they're going to listen and make change, or just, what do you think is going to happen with the end game? They're just going to keep the restrictions forever, or what do you think they'll do? Yeah, I, I think because that's what I'm a little worried about. That uh, a lot of people still seem to think that it's temporary. Actually, people now are starting to get a little nervous. For example, uh, now that the vaccine is here, and first they said that uh, when the vaccine was here, then we would. Uh, uh, be able to get back to normal and now you see the, the the mutations and then they say oh well maybe the first vaccine is not enough and then you see people already getting a little get a little nervous like starting to 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 doubt the the government a little bit and what what they're saying and uh, so so i i think it's not temporary when actually the people asked for more government control you know they they wanted the government to act because they were scared about the the effects of the virus and so the the government said okay and they just implement the rules and uh, but yeah you know that when they take that kind of power and they are not easily going to give it back so i'm really thinking this this will continue for for a long time and i'm yeah i'm not exactly sure what will happen if we can ever really go back to to normal? So, but what do you think it'll take for a change in policy? I mean, do you see that? Does the hospital communicate with your government? Are they just like I don't know? What do you think is going to happen? They just they're just going to leave it in place till people complain enough, or what? What do you think they're going to do? Yeah, I, I think can't leave it to the politicians because they're kind of stuck because you can say well they're they're implementing too many rules or they're being too strict but uh, if you look at the prime minister and he would say okay i will you know decrease the restrictions and uh, and then maybe 10 people more uh, 10 more people will die in the icu and they say well because you loosened the, the restrictions now Ten people died. So the, the the and then the prime minister is held responsible. So he will more often take it take it safe and do like the like the other countries around us are doing, the Germany and the, uh, England. And uh, so it it can't come from the politicians. It has to come from the uh, the people. And actually, you know, going out and demonstrating, I think that's also not uh, not going to work actually it's it's easier than that you you don't have to do anything you just have to resume your normal lives uh, and if people would just do that simple thing you know re- resume their their normal lives uh, then then the change will will happen but it really they really did a good job at caring people and i think it's also because not many people know a lot about viruses and it's a it's a, a, a scary name and uh, you can you know it's you can't see it so people yeah they really got got uh, got scared if you like this podcast please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on itunes 
So, uh, yeah, I think look around me, like the amount of people that are going along with it. I'm a little uh, surprised, but but I think it's a, pro a slow process uh, over many years. And uh, yeah, pe people just, I think that they don't realize enough what what is happening, you know, what, what they're losing. They, they People say, well, you don't have to give up so much you know we have to protect the the elderly and uh, you know do everything we can but i think we we are really giving up uh, a lot and yeah it's a little surprising that that not too many people see that maybe because they didn't have to fight for for the freedom so they're uh, or they're yeah i don't uh, i don't know what what happens in your local media in the Netherlands, do they do they talk about it constantly like they do here, like you said, in the world? Or has the tone of the media changed? Like, you know, when you... Well, yeah, we'll talk about media first. So what do you see now versus before? Yeah, yeah. no, I think uh, the media is just continuing their normal game. Uh, uh, so now, of course, it's it's mutations. And uh, yeah, I, I don't see any any change in the in the in the media they're they're doing the, the the same things but what i do see is that there are groups uh forming so there is uh there is a group of doctors uh medical medical professionals and they came together and they they formed a group and uh they are yeah so some groups are really trying to by by coming together you know tr trying to force change the for example, asking the general practitioners to take back a little control because the, the general practitioners actually, you know, normally when you're ill, then uh, you go to the doctor and they they check you. And uh, if they think it's warranted, you, you go to the hospital. But uh, in the beginning of, of, of COVID, uh, you know, the general practitioners were really told, you know, uh, don't see the, the patients and tell them to uh, stay at home. And uh, so, yeah, I think they went over the heads of the, the general practitioners. And yeah, so, so they have to restore a lot of, yeah, what they've lost, I think. But uh, yeah, so, so the media is, is really... But for me, it's it's different because I look at alternative media. I uh, follow different channels on on YouTube and uh, and BitChute. And uh, but because most people they just look at uh, the mainstream media, they 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 watch TV. They have such a different, such a one-sided view, um, and it's so far from from. Yeah, what 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 I see, and uh, it's it's not that I'm uh, I'm always looking for conspiracies. It's more I like new information, and I'm always open open to it. And then after a while, I'll I'll decide if I'll keep it. But uh, I'm never afraid to listen to new information. So what what I see what, to me is a big difference. Is for example, when you say to a person. Uh, oh, you know, uh, Roger Federer, he earns uh, like $5 million uh, every every game. And then people say, oh, I don't believe that. And uh, and they start to look it up on the on the Internet. But okay. if you tell people, you know, yeah, COVID, you know, 90, 99.8% of people 
survive a, a COVID uh, infection, uh, then people don't look it up. They start to distrust you. You know, they immediately think uh, uh, the fringe uh, conspiracy uh, theorists. It, it can't be. You know, yep. uh, uh, it, it can't be all for nothing. You know, it's uh, uh, so. Uh, I don't know. People don't seem to want to know, or they don't want their their world view changed. Or uh, I, I don't um, really know. What, what do you see when you're when you're going around? Do you see that people are more relaxed? Or are they just the same as always? Or like, what's your feel when you go around town and you see people? The group uh, that's a little skeptical and starts to be a little bit more relaxed with the rules, I think that group is definitely uh, growing. And of course, uh, you always uh, will see some people walking around outside on the sidewalk while it's snowing uh, with with a mask. And uh, yeah, I think, of course, you will have those people but uh, when you look at the the majority people can't uh, live in this situation very much longer so i think it's it's inevitable that you know grandparents want to hug uh, their grandchildren and uh, so eventually they will have to come up with something new and in parts that's the the new mutations you know they try to keep me uh, people uh, uh, on edge but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's, it's more relaxed. But in the in the supermarkets, you still have to wear a face mask. But if you don't wear it correctly, nobody is going to say anything. So sometimes it's it feels a little bit of keeping keeping up appearances, like you know, like it's understood that okay, masks don't really do that much, but we will we'll just we'll just wear them, you know, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little to me. It's very strange when I walk around. You know, it's uh, if you know if you have more information, and then you walk outside and you see so many people with masks, then you're really you think you're you're living a movie. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. So yeah. Do you have people that put double masks on, or like put on a mask plus a face shield plus a gown, and really go crazy, or? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I I see a mask with uh, with a face shield, but uh, no, actually I've, I haven't seen a, a double mask yet. And uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. The the Dutch people they're very like sober, re- realistic. But we have this attitude, you know, that if if you let me do my thing, I won't bother you too much. Your thing, and it takes it takes a lot to get the dutch people out in the streets or really that they say okay now now we've uh, really had enough you know uh, it it takes a very long time if we if you compare it to france uh, people go hit hit the streets you know demonstrate a lot quicker than uh, than in uh, in holland yeah so uh, yeah. but uh, yeah we'll we'll see has your hospital used uh, hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, or they they don't allow it? They don't allow it. I think it's, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's such a, an old drug, the hydroxychloroquine. I believe uh, already uh, in use for for sixty years, and of course you have to use it uh, with with zinc. Uh, but it's really prophylactically. It's it's. Uh, it's a really good one, and um, uh, but if people uh, are in the ICU, it's it's a little too late because when you get a COVID infection, 
the virus is already gone after about five days. And yeah, the hydroxychloroquine really stops the the virus getting in via the endocytosis. Uh, so blocks that pathway. But when you already had the infection and the, you have the lung damage and you have the pneumonia, then actually the virus is already gone. So the hydroxychloroquine doesn't do a lot. Wait, so what do you mean the virus is gone? So you're saying after uh, you know four or five days that what the virus dissipates or what do you mean? Like what have you observed? Uh, well, the virus, uh, your your body uh, takes out the virus uh, via the the liver and just moves it out out of the body. So uh, then uh, the virus is not in in your cells anymore. So. Well, maybe it's nice if I just walk walk through the infection from from the start. So, yes, so, yes. Uh, so the the virus size uh, is about the same as the influenza virus. Uh, it's uh, it's about one uh, micron. So, uh, sorry, zero zero point one microns. And uh, now they they believe that the infection will start. Uh, most of the times it will start in the nasal epithelium, so in the in the nose. And your nose is really uh, ideally shaped and designed to, to capture viruses. And in the nasal epithelium, you have a large concentration of the, the ACE2 receptors. And the ACE2 is not so, so, uh, so much uh, pronounced in the, the rest of the respiratory tract. So they believe it starts in the nose and then the infection moves down and goes to the to the stomach and then eventually the intestines, uh, or it will go down to the lungs and uh, and you will get a, a viral pneumonia. And uh, the viral pneumonia is not uh, not is not so bad as a bacterial pneumonia. So if you get a severe form of, of uh, corona disease, your viral pneumonia will go away, but because there is already the damage is already done, and in people with a debilitated immune system, it, it results in a return of, uh, of infections. So then it will become a bacterial pneumonia, and uh, it, it can progress further, and uh, then it ca can result in sepsis, sepsis and ARDS, the acute uh, respiratory distress syndrome. About 50% of people that go to the ICU have some form of, uh, of acute respiratory distress syndrome. And this syndrome has uh, a fi fibrotic stage. So if, if that doesn't get resolved, you get more uh, more and more organized like cell uh, structure or damage structure and then in some people it can progress to to the real lung fibrosis that uh, the scar tissue that uh, can't be uh, repaired anymore so uh, so what yeah. um, do you see that uh, the remdesivir and the dextrom uh, i feel the other, the other drug given with it do you see it works i mean i've, I've read a study or two showing that remdesivir does nothing do you see it clinically works? Uh, no, not not really. I also I think I know the the study you're you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, but I must say because I'm not in contact with uh, a lot of uh, personnel that uh, works on the ICU, I can't say if uh, exactly if 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 there's a lot of difference since they are using 
that like to, to me what what i see in the in the patients that that survive if you look at the their comorbidities i i haven't seen in that entire group so so people that have severe COVID, they, they've been to the ICU, they recovered. And I haven't seen any person that I think, oh, I, I wouldn't have thought they would get the severe the disease. Uh, every, every single one has comorbidities. Uh, they, they are overweight, uh, diabetes, hypertension, uh, cardiovascular disease. And uh, they, of course, they use medications, blood, blood lowering uh, of a blood, uh, the medication to reduce the blood pressure. And even if they don't have those, then they, they tell me that they uh, had a lot of pneumonias when they were young or they were already asthmatic or, and a lot of them are uh, of uh, uh, older age. Uh, how do you say the, yeah, more, more, uh, the elderly, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what, what, what I see it like to say it in another way. I'm, I'm not surprised by the, the picture I see uh, when I look at the, uh, the clinical picture of those, uh, those patients. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, again, from here, you're just, you know, biding your time and seeing what you'll see, or, you know, do you think that there's any big change coming or unfortunately it's just like clown world and we don't know what's going to happen? Yeah, you had a lot of people on the show that already said it very eloquently uh, that, you know, the, yeah, the clown world, like you say, it's, I think we're not, not done with it. But f for, for myself, what I'm doing is, like you said, a little biding my time because I have to, I want to finish this, uh, this education, like my fine, I'm in my final year. So, uh, I want to get my degree, and uh, then I want to see where where I want to work. Yeah, if if I can, I want to move yeah away from from Holland if if possible. So uh, settle somewhere else. But yeah, I'm thinking about that. But on the other hand, there aren't many places because it's 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 so widespread with the, how how they handle uh, this crisis. You you can there there are not so many places where you can go to to get away from it or to uh, yeah find a, find a place where where work is a little you know less less restricted or they yeah so so actually I don't really know the the answer to that to, to that question what what I'm afraid of is that well what I already see the for example with the vaccines that in the beginning a lot of my colleagues were saying you know the the vaccine, I don't really trust it so much, so uh, I don't think I'm going to take it if they if they start offering it. And now that it's getting closer and closer to the the vaccine really getting getting offered to us, because yeah, of course we we are also at the front line working with with these patients, so maybe we're not first in line, but won't take uh, much longer. And now most most of them they they can't wait until the, the vaccine is here. So I, I see them changing their minds the closer and closer we get to, to the rollout. But uh, yeah, so that, uh, that bothers me a little bit. You know, that, are they going uh, to mandate it, you think? Or have they already said that or what's happening? Yeah, I, I think the very clever thing that the, the government will do is 
the same that they did with the shops. You know, they let the shop owners uh, implement the the mask rules. So the, they let the shop owner tell the the customers, you know, you have to wear a mask. And I think the same they're going to do with the vaccine. They're not going to make it mandatory, but they will just do other things uh, that you really don't have a choice uh, in, in taking it. So. They, well, they, do you think shop owners are? Uh, you think shop owners are going to be able to ask you about your medical status? I mean, like in the U.S., that's already being violated. You're not supposed to ask that medical information is protected. But I don't know about the Netherlands. Like, how could they say, "Oh, you need to be vaccinated and show proof"? I mean, that's that's insane. But yeah, who knows? yeah, and I don't know. It's uh, it's like you say. It's the the same here. They can't make you give out medical in information uh, like that but there were so many things that they said they wouldn't do and then in some way shape or form like with with moving a little around the issue like attacking it from from a from a different side they they get their wish so also with the, the like the emergency uh, states that they, uh, when they they say it's uh it's an emergency state. They can implement, or they have a lot of more more uh, power. The government and they made like a proposal to to, ma- to make it to make it a law, because uh, first they they uh, it wasn't law, but they they want to continue continue it. So now, uh, so the the law was proposed, and it was really such a ridiculous, you know. Uh, like w- what I hear from from uh, people who uh, who know more about it. It, it, when you hear it, you say, "No, well, they they will never get that approved." But in uh, now the law uh, is approved, and they can make uh, the emergency state uh, continue for as long as as they want. And uh, so they and now they won't say, or they will say. Uh, we will not make a corona passport or a vaccination passport, but actually the vaccination passport will be here. And, and that's because the European Union goes above the, the Dutch uh, constitution. So the politicians are a little, they, they're locked in between what the people want and what Europe wants. So it's terrible. Yeah. So Europe. The, the vaccine passport, the, the European Union already uh, has it planned. Uh, and uh, the Dutch politicians will say, uh, no, we'll, we'll not do it. That's, uh, but they, they can say that because, yeah, like I said, the European Union, eventually it will uh, be done. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, very good. Jim, what's the, uh, I don't know if you want any follow-up, but is there a place where people can contact you if they wish, or you're just happy to do the interview and no contact info, it's up to you? Uh, no, that's uh, that's fine. They, they can uh, uh, contact me at my uh, email, and that's uh, J-I-M-B-I-J-L at protonmail.com. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. 
This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.